This is Adventist World Radio Ghana, Voice of Hope. Hello, hello out there. Welcome once again to your program, The Heart of the Church. We are glad to have you and we are equally happy to study God's word with you. We have here in our midst the resource persons we'll be having for some time, our friends. Gloria Osaibafo and Franco Pokuboyan. You are welcome to help us in the studio. My name is Emmanuel Ai, your host. We're looking at memory and song for this for today, today Thursday. So we're looking at trying to live God's word in memory and in song. And if we look at the psalm, that is our scripture text, Psalm 119 verse 11. And maybe you can read it quickly for us, uh, uh, if you have it, Gloria. Psalm 119 verse 11. Your word I have read in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Amen. Amen. Against this backdrop, how do you make memory part of trying to keep God's word in us? The psalmist hinges on the word of God being hidden in his heart. If you have something in your heart, it evolves your whole being. And when we have the word of God committed to memory, it forms part and parcel of us. Uh, The psalmist said, the part B, that I might not sin against you. And the lesson spells that out beautifully. How having the word hidden in our hearts committed to memory how that helps us to uh, fight against sinning like whenever the words are committed to our minds we are the, we, we are able to bring it to life mm? whenever there's any issue it it comes to life and then we are able to apply it to whatever situation in which we find ourselves again uh, in that sense it impacts our thinking our decisions, our attitudes because yes, if let's say there's an amount that you would have wanted to take to take for yourself and as soon as you remember thou shall not steal that would just alert you so it will impact every action you would take and then when you have when it's like that it influences your behavior when you have the word of God also committed to memory, it brings Bible to life it brings Bible. This is a mere book with a text in there. But always you are a living example of, of of the word of God. And then again, it will help us in our worship of God such that we live faithful lives according to the scripture. So there's a whole lot of advantages with committing the word of God to memory. But overall, to help us overcome sin and evil in our lives. That is that is quite, quite interesting because you see, we've been having scripture text or memory text for all our studies and I want to urge us to be keeping these things as she has admonished us to help us uh, overcome a lot of evil in our life. Let's look at uh, the other part of keeping God's word as uh, which happens to do with songs. Uh, Frank? Songs or music form part of worship in the heavenly courts. So it means that in our worship songs are very important. We use songs to praise God and we use songs to worship him. We use songs in in fact in general worship. Now that is an aspect of songs to God. 
but in our own lives as we build relationships with God how does songs help us we can keep some of the words of the scripture as songs this is very true with the um, Muslims they are able to memorize the Quran because they rhyme it as songs and you see songs are easy to learn mm-hmm. by adults by kids and because of that they read it as song the Quran and so you can see a little child rhyming the Quran as something if we are also able to learn the scripture and keep it in songs with composed melodies and the rest they are always in our minds you see in the book of Colossians we are told that Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom so it is more or less a command that we should let it dwell within us richly and one way of doing it is it continues teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord so while we sing in grace uh, i mean grace in our hearts to the lord it also more or less edifies us thank you so much frank and that is an interesting point because there was a time i happened to have the privilege of uh, talking about songs in the church in fact there's a church i was part of some time ago and they only had music for the whole worship it's interesting because in songs we get to remember some things uh, you know this uh, Ghana Ghana's borders I know it because of a song to the east to go republic south Gulf of Guinea in the west Cote d'Ivoire to the north Burkina Faso so sometimes I'm talking and I just want to talk about the boundaries of Ghana I just mentioned like that and somebody said hey, this guy is good at geography it's just songs okay and there are some songs we use in primary school to memorize some of these things and if we bring it to god's word it really helps us yes you want like to 30 days of september yes i can't i don't know the number of days of the months of hand till now so when you <laughs> use the song i want i will use that song then to you remember. have it there's another one poor 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 so when in the exam so you know that when you multiply positive and positive then mathematicians that is it so i think <laughs> the song aspect is very interesting and we should be able to keep a song in our hearts as we learn from uh, these other uh, groups in in the church and our cherished friend out there please also do that keep a song in your heart and it will help you to memorize god's word all too soon we've come to the end of another lesson and it's our prayer that it impacts upon your life and our cherished friend will come your way tomorrow with the summary of all we've been doing bearing in mind i think we are to the very end of our quarter study probably we'll look at what the whole quarter has been briefly as we get there tomorrow until then our cherished friend stay blessed hello listener i want to welcome you once again to the program law matters this is adventist world radio my name is david amankwa and i'll be your host today we are going to discuss another very important uh, subject of the law. I know it bothers a lot of people. And so we have tailored this edition to help answer all those questions that bother you. We are privileged to have with us lawyer Clement Mafo to help us discuss the topic marriage. We want to look at marriage. I'm sure marriage is an institution that God endorses because one of the things he blessed and hallowed is marriage. And so he wants us as Christians and as human beings to marry. But then, any institution has laws that governs it, and I'm sure marriage is not an exception. 
And so today, lawyer would help us go through marriage, what it is, and what we need to know about marriage. So, lawyer Mafu, you are welcome once again to the studios of Adventist World Radio. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, I must confess that the last edition was an interesting one. We, have a, we had a very good discussion. Today, too, we have an interesting topic to discuss, and I'm sure it's, 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 it's something that bothers all of us. Marriage, marriage, marriage. What it is. We want to look at marriage, what, the, what our law says, how marriage is governed by our laws, and what the Bible also has to say on marriage. So, first of all, I would want to ask, lawyer, when we say ma- marriage, generally, what is marriage? Um, generally, when you say marriage, uh, it means when one woman and one man decide to come together and stay and work hand in hand to help each other as husband and wife. That, is, that would be the general meaning of marriage. However, in law, we have certain rigid ways that you need to use okay. to make it a law. So in law, marriage is a union for life between one biological man and one biological woman to the exclusion of all others. In fact, that is how the law says it. A union for life between one biological woman and one biological man to the exclusion of all others. What it means is that when the two figures, the one biological man and the one biological woman come together, nobody should come and interfere to the exclusion of all others. So, in simply put, that is how the law also defines marriage, generally. Okay, so the law um, limits marriage to one man. Not and then just one man. One biological man. One biological man. And okay. one biological woman. Okay. What it means is that if you are a man, if you call yourself a man, okay. and you are not a biological man, you can't marry in law. Okay. If okay. you are a woman, you call yourself a woman, but you are not a biological woman, you cannot also call yourself a woman and therefore enter into a marriage. Okay, so this, this is actually not part of our discussion, but once you, you said that, let me shape this in. So oh, it means... This is our discussion. It's, it's part of our discussion. Well, we are well, asking for the definition of a marriage. Okay, well, uh, like the, the question I'm going to ask. So um, that means there are people who were born into this world biologically as males, yes. but now they prefer to call themselves females because of maybe one process that they've gone through or surgical procedures they've gone through. Um, they decide to call their, their, themselves the their opposite sex. So the definition of law as you have given doesn't give room for those people? Yes. You see, in this world, this recent world, you know, somebody can be man for about 20 years and decides to change his organs and become a woman. Okay. When you do that, in the eyes of your people, you are a woman. In law, you are not a woman. And therefore, this definition does not suit you. Okay, okay, okay. On the other Interesting. Side, nowadays, a woman who was born a woman, grown up to about 30, 35 years, decides to seize her womanship, going for se- surgical, whatever, then becomes a man. You cannot marry per this definition. And therefore, we are saying that it is only biological man and ma- biological woman. When they come together to stay forever, that is how we lawyers or the law see as husband and wife. And the union should be union for life. Union for life. Union for life. I am tempted to think that this definition kind of agree, uh, agrees with that, that the provision of the Bible. Could you be a bit elaborate on the, the, the provision of the Bible also? 
You see, emphatically, when you read Genesis, the Bible says that the Lord God himself saw that it will not be proper for a man to live alone. So he said, let's create, let's create a woman, a woman. So a woman is a creature by God and given to the man. And they were two. Something that was doctored for the man. Definitely. So the features and characteristics of the man were totally different from that of the woman. And they came together to stay as husband and wife. And that is what the law also says. That before you can call something marriage, then it means it is a union for life between one biological man and one biological woman to the exclusion of all others. Nobody should come in. Nobody should come and interfere. Nobody should come and complain. Provided they satisfy the conditions of the one biological man and one biological woman who have agreed to come into union for life. Lawyer, on, on the, on, on, still on the definition that um, he said it should be a union for life and one biological man, one biological... In our society, um, let, let me say, we are, we are talking as Ghanaians, and so in a typical Ghanaian, or let's say, an Akan society, um, they say once you marry, you don't marry just your husband or maybe your wife. You marry into your family. But does it, does it conflict with the definition you have given us? You see, let me use the Ghanaian constitution as a decoy in this matter. Okay. In the Ghanaian law, the law has gotten four different marriages okay. from which you have to choose one. Okay. So it is the one that you choose that will determine whether or not you have married the, ma- the family of the other party. Okay. So when you take the Ghanaian law, the Ghanaian constitution, the Ghanaians, they have four different marriages. And it is bet- among these four different marriages that you have, if you want to marry, you have to choose one. So if you choose the first one, you can know... You cannot go for the second one. Okay. If you choose the second one, you cannot go for the third one, and vice versa. Okay. And I'm saying that, depend, depending upon the one that you choose among the four, that will determine whether or not you are marrying the family of the party that you have married. So aside the definition that you give, like you, you gave already, um, um, what I'm getting from, from the points you just, you just made is that um, even though marriage is supposed to be a union of two, but the type of marriage that you choose as an individual would it, in the Ghanaian context, context, yeah, would determine which laws apply, right? Okay, okay, that's very good. Then that leads us to the next question. Um, what are the type of laws that are recognized under the Ghanaian law? The types of marriage. Sorry, types of marriage. You see, uh, marriage itself in law. Uh, this your platform is too short for us to discuss. However, we we'll make sure we we'll open uh, a little bit. Maybe at the appropriate time, we will continue. Okay. In this Ghanaian society, we have a marriage that we call the Muhammadan's marriage. Okay. Apart from that one, the second one is called ordinance, ordinance marriage. The third one is called former customary law marriage. Then the fourth one is called informal customary law marriage. So these are the four marriages that the Ghanaian constitution permits. However, you have to choose one. You cannot take two, three, or four. Only one. Like when you have fruits, you have mango here, you have popo, you have um, orange, then you have uh, apple. You have to choose only one. So they are, they are mutually exclusive. You can't have yes, this two at a time. That you is have true. this, you can't have so this. So when you take apple, you cannot go in for okay. mango. Okay, okay. So four, four, four types of marriages... You said the Mohammedans, in the, in the Ghanaian, Ghanaian community, the Mohammedans, the former customary, 
the informal customary and ordinance. And ordinance. Okay, okay, okay. So, among the types of marriages that you could you explain them? Maybe let me be very brief. You uh, see, brief, when, when, when you say Muhammadan's marriage, that is the marriage that is designated for our brothers, Muslims, the, the kind of marriage that they have is what they call the Muhammadan's marriage. That is the Muhammadan's. Then, customary law marriage among the accounts, among the Ghanaians. The way their custom allows them to marry is what we call the customary law marriage among the Ghanaians. When you have the Ives, the Gans, the Asantes, the Frafras, the Kusasis, the Degaris, they have their own custom, their culture, their norm, the way they marry. When you go through that rigidly, then it means you have married that person customarily. Okay. Then the third one is what we call the ordinance. That is where People go to their local councils or their regional councils. You go to the marriages office to register the marriage. Normally, people call it court marriage. In law, we don't have what you call court marriage. It is the marriages register who does that. So when you go to the marriages registry, then they will give you forms to fill, three weeks, notices, those arrangements. And that is called the ordinance. Then we have what you call informal customary law marriage. That is where I want to brief a little bit, you know. But for the informal customary law marriage, we had only three marriages, the customary law marriage, the ordinance, and the Mohammedans. But it, it got to a point where a man will live with a woman, as people call the concubine or whatever. Then he will have children with them. When anything happens, then the man will just say, uh, I didn't, see your family I didn't pay any bride price, so <laughs> you are not my wife. Okay. So the law is so clever that now there is this definition that says when the two of you hold yourself as husband and wife and the society within which you live, the people also see you or they hold you as husband and wife, then you become husband and wife in law. And therefore you may stay with somebody for a week, two, one month, one month, two weeks, but in your vicinity, in your locality, in your society, people see you as husband and wife. You see yourself as husband and wife. You go to funerals together. You go to parties together. You travel together. The wife washes your clothing. You, you, you give money for you people to make your meals. Then you become husband and wife. Whether or not you have paid the bride price or not, it becomes marriage. And therefore, that marriage also becomes informal customary law marriage which has been added to the three that we had already, making it four. And I'm saying that among the four, you choose only one. What it means is that you cannot go to your wife's house, pay the bride price according to the custom, all the necessary rice customs you perform. Then the next day or month or two, you take the same person to go and register. When you, you, you do that, it means you have combined two of the marriages no, yeah, I think we, maybe maybe in our next discussion, maybe next week when we meet, we are going to take the types and then go a, a bit detailed. Very into well it. then. I think uh -huh. it will be proper. Yeah. So today, let, let's limit the discussion to the. Um, um, you, you talk about um, types of marriage. Among the types, without going into details, which of them does the Bible um, 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 endorses? Which of them does the Bible endorse? I don't know if you are getting my, my question well. I, I do yeah. get it. You so see, which of them? Simply put, I, I am not saying. I am not saying that the Bible will or may against any of the four. However, when you read the Bible correctly, 
the Bible says that when you see the woman and you like her, you want to marry her, go to the father, pay the necessary rice, and marry her. That is what the Bible said. So it's not far from customary law marriage, is it? It is not. God gave us wisdom to, you know, formulate our own laws. And it is also formulated in law that we have to pass through certain procedures to marry somebody, which is the ordinance. It has come to stay, and people are doing it. It is not wrong. When you take the Holy Quran, uh, the writers have also created this wonderful procedure by which Muslims can marry. And they are also passing through that same and marrying. There is nothing wrong with it. When it comes to the informal customary law marriage, you see, the wisdom God gave to people, mankind, for them to formulate these laws that we are obeying in this our society, having seen that the women are being cheated by men, all under the auspices of, uh, I have three children with you though, I haven't paid your bride price, and therefore uh, you are not my wife, and that if I have properties, it is for my family, you are not included, they were cheating them. In the eyes of the law, it was wrong. And the, the law also created the fourth one, which is also not wrong. And therefore, any of the four, which one, whichever one you choose, I don't think you, you have gone against the Bible. Lawyer, but I, I, think, I think the Bible, does, in, 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 in the local parlance, so they call it the financial, as you said, the, like the first the concubine. I don't think the Bible endorses that. The law also does not endorse any concubine, as I indicated earlier on. In fact, but, uh, the, the law has just trying to couch a, a very nice name for it. If you ask me, that's what I would say. Because we, 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 we have been entreated from the Bible that you don't have to, you know, engage in all those things. So uh, I, I think that the, the, law, the law is just trying to, you know, just polish it and get it a very nice name. The law is not polishing anything. We created the law. We formulated... In fact, when you take the customary law marriage, for instance, okay. the, the Bible did not show us how accounts should marry traditionally. The Bible did not do that. Neither did the Bible tell the fathers how to marry. But the customs and the traditions of the society created those things for themselves. And therefore, as whether or not when you are married, you have to bring some drinks among the accounts, or you have to bring some sheep among the uh, kusasis, you have to bring some cattle among the fathers, was not created by Bible. But traditionally, we, we cowed it, and it was not diabolic. It was not cynical, and it was in accordance with our tradition, and that thing was made. And therefore, the law also has not created any concubine like anything for somebody to term it as marriage. But it is out of the cheating and other unpleasant issues that were coming to court that, in the wisdom of the law and in the eyes of the law, the law created the informal customary law marriage. So, so in the sense of the law, that is try to uh, talk to a Christian that this type of marriage is there because the Christian itself, uh, the church itself, does not see that as, as, a, as, a, as a form of marriage. Very well. Then the, the simple mathematics is that a Christian also will never cheat on somebody like that. Okay. Okay. You understand? No, Christian well, will well, I get your argument very well. Um, then um, maybe the last question maybe before we uh, run out of time. Um, let's say you want to advise someone on the need to get married. What would you say? I said, uh, like, why? I mean, what is the importance of marriage? Why would you advise someone to get married? The purpose of marriage is to, for you to get a good helper who will help you. Companion. Yes. Who will help you 
in your lifetime until you go to your creator. What it means is that the moment you decide to marry, it means you are going to stay with that person forever until death do us part. So my advice is that we marry because we want a companion, a supporter, a helper, somebody who will help us, somebody who will console us, somebody who will live with us forever until kingdom come. That is my... Lawyer, thank you very much for um, this education. I, I want to make a promise. In fact, when I was answering the question, there was a part that got me fascinated. I was very interested in that point. And I want to make a promise to our listeners that next week when we meet, we'll discuss that. Um, 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 the types of marriage, marriages. We want, I want us to go into details and then have a little uh, more education on it. The program has been Law Matters, and I was here with lawyer Clement Mafo. And then my name is David Amankwaije. I want to catch you and see you next time. We would like to hear from you, so call us on the number plus 233-5015-61849 plus 233-5015-61849. You can also email us at the address AdventistWorldRadioGH at gmail.com AdventistWorldRadioGH at gmail.com you can also write a letter to us using the postal address Adventist World Radio Ghana, Northern Ghana Union Mission of Adventists, P.O. Box KS17564, Edum Kumase, Ghana, West Africa. For AWR Ghana, I am Bell. May God bless you. AWR Ghana. Voice of hope. Voice of hope.